Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of The World of Percy Jackson. In this episode we're going to read chapters 16 through 17 and in the previous episode we read chapters 13 through 15 I believe and it was a doozy of an episode. We went back to looking at Annabeth and Percy and their time in Tartarus and how it's going for them and they started initially following Callie and the other um her other friends to see where the doors of death would be hopefully being able to get you know be able to get to it but unfortunately Kelly and her friends were able to find out that Percy and Annabeth had been following them and they were so weak that they were able to fight them off for a second using you know their really clever tactics they were able to get um one of kelly's friends to disintegrate but um yeah it was touch and go for some time but i think back and forth and then it just really weakened percy and annabeth and it got to a point where they almost thought that they were gonna die but like always we got we are left on a cliffhanger to which someone a mysterious figure saves Percy and Annabeth. So now we're going to read chapter 16 to figure out who exactly this mysterious figure is. Chapter 16, Percy. Percy thought he was hallucinating. It just wasn't possible that a huge silvery figure could drop out of the sky and stomp Kelly flat, trampling her into a mound of monster dust. But that's exactly what happened. The Titan was 10 feet tall with wide silver Einstein hair, pure silver eyes and muscular arms protruding from a ripped-up blue janitor's uniform. In his hand was a massive push broom. His name tag? Incredibly, Red Bob. Ambeth yelped and tried to crawl away, but the giant janitor wasn't interested in her. He turned to the two remaining Ampusai, who stood over Percy. One was foolish enough to attack. She lunged with the speed of a tiger, but she never stood a chance. A spearhead jutted from the end of Bob's broom. With a single deadly swipe, he cut her to dust. The last vampire tried to run. Bob threw his broom like a massive boomerang. Was there such a thing as a boomerang? A broomerang. It sliced through the vampire and returned to Bob's hands. Sweep! The titan grinned with delight and did a victorious dance. Sweep, sweep, sweep! Percy couldn't speak. He couldn't bring himself to believe that something good had actually happened happened. Ambeth looked just as shocked. Huh. How? She stammered. Percy called me, the janitor said happily. Yes, he did. Ambeth crawled a little farther away. Her arm was bleeding badly. Called you? He... Wait. You're Bob? The Bob? The janitor frowned when he noticed Ambeth's wounds. Owie. Ambeth flinched as he knelt next to her. It's okay, Percy said, still woozy with pain. He's friendly. He remembered when he first met Bob. The Titan had healed a bad wound on Percy's shoulder just by touching it. Sure enough, the janitor tapped Annabeth's forearm and it mended instantly. Bob chuckled, pleased with himself, then bounded over to Percy and healed his bleeding neck and arm. The Titan's hands were sure, surprisingly warm and gentle. All better, Bob declared, his eerie silver eyes crinkling with pleasure. I am Bob, Percy's friend. Uh, yeah, Percy managed. Thanks for the help, Bob. It's really good to see you again. Yes, the janitor agreed. Bob, that's me. Bob, Bob, Bob. He shuffled around, obviously pleased with his name. I'm helping. I heard my name. Upstairs in Hades' palace. Nobody calls for Bob unless there's a mess. 
Bob sweep up these bones. Bob mop up these tortured souls. Bob a zombie exploded in the dining room. Emmett gave Percy a puzzled look, but he had no explanation. Then I heard my friend call, the Titan beamed. Percy said, Bob! He grabbed Percy's arm and hoisted him to his feet. That's awesome, Percy said. Seriously, but how did you... Oh, time to talk later. Bob's expression turned serious. We must go before they find you. They are coming. Yes, indeed. They? Ambeth asked. Percy scanned the horizon. He saw no approaching monsters. Nothing but the stark gray wasteland. Yes, Bob agreed. But Bob knows a way. Come on, friends. We love fun. And that's the end of chapter 16. Well, it was a very, very short chapter. But we are now reintroduced to a previous person that we had met before, which is Bob. And this time, Bob is now met with Annabeth, who had never met Bob before. So it's going to be pretty interesting if Bob decides decides to stay with Percy Annabeth, how that dynamic is not going to work because it's changed because one more person is added. So I wonder if Bob is going to like is going to help them throughout the rest of their adventures or is this a kind of, you know, you call me whenever you need help, but I'm not staying with you the entirety of the time. So yeah, we'll see how the rest of this goes. I do believe the next chapter that we're going to read is now from the other group, which is Frank, Leo, Piper, Hazel, uh, and Jason. So we're going to see how that goes. So stay tuned after the break. Don't go anywhere. Maybe grab a few snacks. Maybe grab some water. We'll be right back. And we're back from the ads. And now we're going to read chapter 17, Frank. Frank woke up as a python, which puzzled him. Changing into an animal wasn't confusing. He did that all the time. But he had never changed from one animal to another in his sleep before. He was pretty sure he hadn't dozed off as a snake. Usually, he slept like a dog. He discovered that he got through the night much better if he curled up on his bunk in the shape of a bulldog. For whatever reason, his nightmares didn't bother him as much. The constant screaming in his head almost disappeared. He had no idea why he'd become a reticulated python, but it did explain his dream about slowly swallowing a cow. His jaw was still sore. He braced himself and changed back to human form. Immediately, a splitting headache returned, along with the voices. Fight them! yelled Mars. Take the ship! Defend Rome! The voice of Ares shouted back. Kill the Romans! Blood and death! Large guns! His father's Roman and Greek personality screamed back and forth in Frank's mind, with the usual soundtrack of battle noises, explosions, assault rifles, roaring jet engines, all throbbing like a subwoofer behind Frank's eyes. He sat up on his berth, dizzy with pain, as he did every morning. He took a deep breath and stared at the lamp on his desk, a tiny flame that burned night and day, fueled by magic olive oil from the supply room. Fire, Frank's biggest fear. Keeping an open flame in his room terrified him, but it also helped him focus. The noise in his head faded to the background, allowing him to think. He'd gotten better at this, but for days he'd almost been worthless. As soon as the fighting broke out at Camp Jupiter, the war god's two voices had started screaming non-stop. Ever since Frank had been stumbling around in a daze, barely able to function, he'd acted like a fool, and he was sure his friends thought he'd lost his marbles. He couldn't tell them what was wrong. There was nothing they could do, and from listening to them talk, Frank was pretty sure they didn't have the same problem with their godly parents yelling in their ears. Just Frank's luck, but he had to pull it together. His friends needed him, especially now 
was Annabeth gone. Annabeth had been kind to him. Even when he was so distracted, he had acted like a buffoon. Annabeth had been patient and helpful, while Ares screamed that Athena's children couldn't be trusted. And Mars bellowed at him to kill as a Greeks. Frank had grown to respect Annabeth. Now that they were without her, Frank was the next best thing the group had to a military strategist. Strategist. They would need him for the trip ahead. He rose and got dressed. Fortunately, he'd managed to buy some new clothes in Siena a couple of days ago, replacing the laundry that Leo had sent flying away on Buford the table. Long story. He tugged on some Levi's and an army green t-shirt, then reached for his favorite pullover before remembering he didn't need it. The weather was too warm. More important, he didn't need the pockets anymore to protect the magical piece of firewood that controlled his lifespan. Hazel was keeping it safe for him. Maybe that should have been made him nervous. If the firewood burned, Frank died, end of story. But he trusted Hazel more than he trusted himself. Knowing she was safeguarding his big weakness made him feel better, like he'd fastened his seatbelt for a high-speed chase. He slung his bow and quiver over his shoulder. Immediately, they morphed into a regular backpack. Frank loved that. He never would have known about the quiver's camouflage power if Leo hadn't figured it out for himself. Leo! Mars raged. He must die! Throttle him! Ares cried. Throttle everyone! Who are we talking about again? The two began shouting at each other again, over the sound of bombs exploding in Frank's skull. He steadied himself against the wall. For days, Frank had listened to those voices demanding Leo Valdez's death. After all, Leo had started the war with Camp Jupiter by firing a ballista into the form. Sure, he'd been possessed at the time, but still Mars demanded vengeance. Leo made things harder by constantly teasing Frank, and Ares demanded that Frank retaliate for every insult. Frank kept the voices at bay, but it wasn't easy. On their trip across the Atlantic, Leo had said something that still stuck in Frank's mind. When they learned that Gaia, the evil Earth goddess, had put a bounty on their heads, Leo had wanted to know for how much. I can understand not being as pricey as Jason or Percy, he said, but am I worth like two or three francs? Just another one of stupid Leo's stupid jokes. But the comment hit a little too close to home. On the article second, Frank definitely felt like the LVP. Least valuable player. Sure, he could turn into animals. So what? His biggest claim to help helpfulness so far had been changing into a weasel to escape from an underground workshop. And even that had been Leo's idea. Frank was better known for the giant goldfish fiasco in Atlanta, and just yesterday for turning into a 200-kilo gorilla, only to get knocked senseless by a flashbang grenade. Leo hadn't made any gorilla, gorilla jokes at his expense yet, but it was only a matter of time. Kill him! Torture him! Dead kill him! The two sides of the war gods seemed to be kicking and punching each other inside Frank's head, using his sinuses as a wrestling mat. Blood, guns, Rome war. Quiet down, Frank ordered. Amazingly, the voices obeyed. Okay then, Frank thought. Maybe he could finally get those annoying screaming mini-gods under control. Maybe today would be a good day. That hope was shattered as soon as he climbed above deck. What are they? Hazel asked. The Argo II was docked at a busy wharf. On one side stretched a shipping canal a shipping channel about half a kilometer wide. On the other spread, the city of Venice, red tiled roofs, metal church domes, steeple towers and sun-bleached buildings in all colors of Valentine's Day candy hearts. Red, white, ochre, pink, and orange. 
everywhere there were statues of lions. On top of pedestals, over doorways, and the porticos of the largest buildings, there were so many. Frank figured the lion must be the city's mascot. Where streets should have been, green canals etched their way through the neighborhood, each one jammed with motorboats. Along the docks, the sidewalks were mobbed with tourists shopping at the t-shirt kiosks. Overflowing from stores and lounging across acres of outdoor cafe tables. Like pods of sea lions. Frank had thought Rome was full of tourists. This place was insane. Hazel and the rest of his friends weren't paying attention to any of that, though. They had gathered at the starboard rail to stare at the dozens of weird shaggy monsters milling through the crowds. Each monster was about the size of a cow, with a bowed back like a broken-down horse, matted gray fur, skinny legs, and black cloven hooves. The creatures' heads seemed much too heavy for their necks. Their long, anteater-like stouts dropped to the ground. Their overgrown gray names completely covered their eyes. Frank watched as some of the creatures lumbered across the promenade. Snuffling and licking the pavement with its long tongue, the tourists parted around it, unconcerned. A few even petted it. Frank wondered how the mortals could be so calm. Then the monster's appearance flickered. For a moment, it turned into an old, fat beagle. Jason grunted. The mortals think they're stray dogs. Or pets roaming around, Piper said. My dad shot a film, film in Venice once. I remember him telling me there were dogs everywhere. Venetians love dogs. Frank frowned. He kept forgetting that Piper's dad was Tristan McLean, A-list movie star. She didn't talk about it much. She seemed pretty down-to-earth for a kid raised in Hollywood. I was fine with Frank. The last thing they needed on his quest was paparazzi taking pictures of all Frank's epic, epic fails. But what are they? He asked, repeating Hazel's question. They look like starving shaggy cows with sheepdog hair? He waited for someone to enlighten him. Nobody volunteered any information. Maybe they're harmless, Leo suggested. They're ignoring the mortals. Harmless? Gleason Hedge laughed. The satyr wore his usual gym shorts, sports shirt, and coach's whistle. His expression was as gruff as ever, but he still had one pink rubber band stuck in his hair from the prankster dwarfs in Bologna. Frank was kind of scared to mention it to him. Valdez, how many harmless monsters have we met? We should just aim the ballista and see what happens. Uh, no, Leo said. For once, Frank agreed with Leo. There were too many monsters. It would be impossible to target one without causing collateral damage in the crowds and tourists. Besides, if those creatures panicked and stampede, we'll have to walk through them and hope they're peaceful, Frank said, hating the idea already. It's the only way we're going to get track the owner of that book. Leo pulled a leather-bound manual from underneath his arm. He slapped a sticky note on the cover with the edges that dwarves in Bologna had given him. La Casa Nera, he read. Calle, Calle Fresaria. Calle Fresaria. Calle Fresaria. The Black House, Nico D'Angelo translated. Calle Fresaria is the street. Frank tried not to flinch when he realized Nico was at his shoulder. The guy was so quiet and brooding. He almost seemed to de—he almost seemed to dematerialize when he wasn't speaking. Hazel might have been the one who came back from the dead, but Nico was way more ghost-like. You speak Italian? Frank asked. Nico asked him a warning look, like, "Watch the questions." He spoke calmly though. 
Frank is right. We have to find that address. The only way we're going to do that is walk the city. Venice is a maze. We'll have to risk the crowds and those. Whatever they are. Thunder rumbled in the clear summer sky. They'd passed through some storms in the night before. Frank had thought they were over. But now, he wasn't sure. The air felt as thick and warm as sauna steam. Jason frowned at the horizon. Maybe I should stay on board. Lots of venti in that storm last night. If they decide to attack the ship again, he needed to finish. They all had experiences with angry wind spirits. Jason was the only one who had much luck fighting them. Coach Edge grunted. Well, I'm out too. If you soft-hearted cupcakes are going to stroll through Venice without even whacking those furry animals on the head, forget it. I don't like boring expeditions. It's okay, coach. Leo grinned. We still have to repair the foremast. Then I need you to help with the engine room. I've got an idea for you for a new installation. Frank didn't like the gleam in Leo's eyes, but since Leo had found that Archimedes sphere, he'd been trying out a lot of new installations. Usually they exploded or sent smoke billowing upstairs into Frank's cabin. Well, Frank shifted her feet. Whoever goes should be good with animals. I, um, I'll admit I'm not that great with cows. Frank figured there was a story behind that comment, but he decided not to ask. I'll go. He wasn't sure why he volunteered. Maybe because he was anxious to be a volunteer for a change. Or maybe he didn't want anyone useful beating him to the punch. Animals? Frank had turned to animals. Send him! Leo patted him on the shoulder and handed him the leather-bound book. Awesome. If you pass by a hardware store, could you get me that? Could you get me some two-by-fours and a gallon of tar? Leo? Hazel asked. Child, childhood. It's not a shopping. It's a thrift. I'll go with Frank, Nico offered. Frank's eyes started twitching. The war god's voices rose to a crescendo in his head. Kill him, Gracus scum! No, I love Gracus scum. Uh, you're good with animals? He asked. Nico smiled without humor. Usually most animals hate me. They can actually sense death. But when there's something around the city, his expression turned grim. Lots of deaths. Restless spirits. If I go now... I may be able to keep them at bay. Besides, as you notice, I speak Italian. Leo scratched his head. Lots of death, huh? Basically, I'm trying to avoid lots of death, but you guys have fun? Frank wasn't sure what to scare him more. Shaggy cow monsters, hordes of restless horse shots, or going somewhere alone with Nico D'Angelo. I'll go too. Hazel slipped her arm through Frank's. This is the best number for a demigod quest, right? Frank tried not to look too relieved. He didn't want to offend Nico, but he glanced at Hazel and told her with his eyes. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Nico stared at the canals, as if wondering what new and interesting forms of evil spirits might be lurking there. All right, then. Let's go find the owner of that book. And that's the end of chapter 16. Well, that was definitely a fascinating chapter. We see, we start seeing a bit more into now Frank, Leo, and Piper's, uh, Hazel's perspectives because usually Leo is seen to be this troublemaker kid, usually does everything for fun, but as we see him start growing in this chapter, we also see his personality also starting to shift. Yes, sometimes he does get a little bit too excited, but after a while, he starts getting used to it and used to this, you know, this entirety of its, uh, this entire thing. So I think that that's what's really fascinating about these characters is that they've, they continue to find something new every single time, and the development is just such 
a beautiful thing to read about because you see that Leo has now gone from someone, you know, he's starting to loosen him up a little bit with that joke that we recall in the chapter that the the most recent chapter and we see that he's also starting to change for other people including his friends so it's going to be a very fascinating way to see how exactly this is all going to go down especially since we have now switched groups and now it's going to be great to see what's going to happen so now we're going to move on to everyone's favorite part the the shout out and q a session so let's move on to the shout outs and then i'll move on to the questions so charm uh wise girl emma Addie, Grace, and Dom. If I missed any of your names, please let me know in the Q&A session below, and I'll be sure to get you in the next one. Um, Let's move on to the questions. So our first one is, favorite musical instrument? Probably I would say the violin. It's just so beautiful when you hear it play. Um, What's my favorite Greek myth? Probably Prometheus. Um, For those of you who don't know, Prometheus is actually a titan that was not only introduced a few books ago i believe in um the percy jackson series but but also was someone who had brought the concept of fire according to the greek myth uh prometheus had brought the concept of fire to the mortals in which i believe it was supposed to be a secret so it's just really fascinating to see this kind of like mouse and cat kind of game and how exactly do you see when it comes to affairs or stories happening within a certain um myth so i think prometheus is definitely one of my more favorite ones highly uh suggest you go check those out uh check that out it's just really cool um the next one is will leo ever not be the odd one out or never be the seventh wheel i genuinely think that with leo's wits cleverness funny jokes there's bound to be someone now i don't think that um i think that this also uh addresses another question that i was going to answer later but i don't think that leo necessarily fits the 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 mood of the rest of the people to which i want to ship them with but i do know that there is some other person outside of this whole demigod slash friend group that actually may be perfect you know so i think that once leo starts exploring and starts broadening his horizons it's going to get really, really interesting. And we're going to see how exactly that goes with the uh, with the rest of it. Um, the next question is, would you rather be a demigod or a god? Um, probably a god because there's no way. I, I honestly, I think the amount of pressure and the amount of work and the amount of running away from monsters that these demigods do, I don't think. Yeah, I'm, I, that is not something that I would not want to do. <laughs> but yeah, I, I think... Honestly, if anyone chose a demigod, you know, I that that's amazing. That's awesome. You do you. That's honestly great. I just I don't think I could do it after the second day, if I'm gonna be honest. So yeah. So moving on to the next one. Have you made any other podcasts? Uh no, actually. This is my first podcast. Um hopefully after this series I'll be able to make a new podcast with another series. And hopefully the plan is to just keep making series for different book series. So yeah, stay tuned for those in the future. Uh, The next one is the favorite books besides Rick Riordan. What are my favorite books besides Rick Riordan books? I would probably say graphic novels if we're talking about genre. More specifically, um, books like El Defo was probably something that that really 
that made me really like it a lot because it was realistic fiction and I got to see the point of view of someone that was different from mine and it honestly helped with me understanding the world even when I was little and I used to read that book and as I grow up and I still read that book it helps me understand more about the world and it's per- and the diversity of perspectives that we offer in this world um the next question is favorite blue food now that's a hard one um I would probably have to say cotton candy flavored stuff. Might be cotton candy ice cream, cotton candy lollipops. Those two are probably my favorite top two. Yeah, I'd probably do it with cotton candy ice cream or probably cotton candy lollipop. And just the blue one, not the ones that are like mixed with pink or anything. Just the blue cotton candy ice cream. Um... The next question is, if I could bring one item to Tartarus, what would it be? Um, I probably want to bring those versatile things. Um, I don't know what they're called, but it's like those um, little pocket things that you hold in your pocket, and it's like multifunctional. I'd probably that'd probably be something that'd bring to Tartarus if we were thinking practical terms. In terms of fun terms, I'd probably. I'm not sure. Maybe maybe bring a few snacks. Just get myself a sugar rush so that I could just, you know, maybe zip, 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 zip through everything. <laughs> but that probably wouldn't work. But yeah, that's that, those are probably what my, the, the two things I would probably bring. Um, the next question is favorite villain and why? Um, it's going to be hands down Luke Castellan because, you know, I think that his story and the way it was developed throughout the books was just beautiful and i think that it really made you feel that did is lee is luke technically a villain you know it's like you think about all the things that he's been through is he technically a villain it kind of begs the question and i think that that's why he's one of my favorite villains because he has so much meaning to him it's just it's it's honestly really great um the next question is character the character that i hate the most in the series is probably octavian boy does he yeah, he he I I don't like him. <laughs> I think that his personality is just it's not nice. It's just it's just not nice. It's not kind to anybody and you know, he's just I just wish he would be nicer. But yeah. Um the next one is do I have any social media or anything for this podcast? Uh unfortunately, no. Um I may be doing something like that in the future, but we'll just have to see um based on you know just other factors so yeah let me know in the comments if you'd like to see a social media um for me to open for me to have a social media with this podcast um so yeah i'd love to see what your thought what y'all what the thoughts are on that um the next one is who do i ship leo with yeah, I, I think I previewed, I answered this question a few minutes ago, but I don't think I would really ship Leo with anyone in the group because they're all happy with their own people. And yes, there may be some relationships that are pretty strained, but I still don't think that even if they did break up, they would be good enough. They, they, they're, they're not someone that matches Leo's personality. I think they would totally not, it, it wouldn't work. So yeah. So I don't think I, I, I have anyone to ship Leo with yet. But hopefully I do find someone to ship Leo with. Because I really want him to, you know, have a companion with him. Um, the next question is, 
If I was a Greek god, who would I be? I would probably be Hephaestus because it's so cool how he can make so many things. And you, whatever comes to his mind, he can just engineer it. Kind of like a Daedalus, but god version. It's just awesome. Honestly, I think it, it's just amazing. Just if I could be him. Um, the next question is, what are my favorite activities to do besides this podcast? Um, well, I do enjoy sketching. I do enjoy reading. Um, and I do enjoy binging TV shows. So, yeah. Those are my some of my favorite activities to do outside of, you know, doing this podcast. Um, next question. If I could have any monster as a pet, what would it be? Ooh. I would probably have to go hands down a hippogriff. I think it's just so cool. Just just seeing and having that as a pet. Oh, wow. That'd be a fascinating um, day to go through. Just waking up and seeing a hippogriff, you know, just casually in your living room. So, yeah, I'd probably love to see a hippogriff as my pet. I, I would love to have one as my pet. But, yeah. Uh, let me know what y'all's thoughts are on that. I, I'm, I'm wondering what y'all would like as a monster as a pet. That would, that's a really that's a really cool question. Um, next one. Uh, it's uh, we can't hear you flipping the pages. So do you read the book from a screen? You, yeah, basically. I I actually I read it off of an ebook. I I get an ebook um and then I just read it from that. Um, that's why you probably don't hear me flipping the pages. Uh, it's because I read it online. So, yeah. Um, the next question is, Jason or Percy? Ooh. Now, I did read the comments, and I did notice that I did miss one tiny detail. And it was that when Jason and Percy were fighting each other, Percy had took a water bottle and splashed a little bit of water on himself, and it rejuvenated him. So, that kind of gives me... It kind of gives it a slight advantage over Jason, because now that with this newly found information it kind of just helps me clear get the know that percy can still rejuvenate himself or at least get some energy back into him by just splashing water i think that's that's probably a really huge advantage that he would have over jason if they were to ever fight with each other i hope that never happens but yeah so those are my thoughts. I really enjoyed having this Q&A session. I, if I missed anyone's names in the shout out, do please let me know and I'll try my best to get you in the next episode. And um, another thing is if you, haven't, uh, if you haven't checked out my Patreon yet, it's in the description or bio slash bio of this podcast. And yeah, I w- it's totally optional, but I would... I would I would support it. I would appreciate you if you were able to provide some support, some general support. So yeah, thank you very much. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And until next week, stay safe and stay out of boredom.